three, two, Prepare one. For light speed. Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holocron Hoopla. Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of unlimited power. <laughs> We're back here this week to review the entire first season of Andor, the best Star Wars TV show that's ever been created, in my Ooh. humble opinion. Now that is nice. Not at all humbling. You might be right. We'll have to debate that one, though. Yeah, we certainly will. And first up on the debating block is the Jedi historian, Andy Smith. Darth Smithia is here, connoisseur of many nerdy things, loving Star Wars, loving Andor, excited for the shows that come out next year as well. We'll get into all that, but let's talk about the season recap for number one. Yeah, and joining the two of us, we have everybody's favorite droid, Chris Pio. C-3PIO human-cyborg relations here. Hey, everybody. Very excited to be here to talk about the full season one recap of Andor. It was uh, said at the top of the pod that it's the best Star Wars TV show we've ever had, and I agree. So we'll talk about why coming up here. And rounding out the crew plot for this week, we have the amateur bounty hunter who's back for one last job before he hangs it up for good. Jake Laxer. Yep, it's going to be with that badass little ship, and I'm going to throw some lasers in some different directions, and I'm going <laughs> to blow some things up, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be a good time. Um, <laughs> hey, Jake Laxer here, a lover of all things TV and movies. Uh, yeah, we're going to round it out, and we're going to have uh, a good sort of recap here for you all, um, kind of like how we've done in previous shows, like The Rings of Power. So Ooh. we'll dive in, and we will uh, have a solid time here yeah absolutely so hopefully you guys have all joined us for the previous four episodes of holocron hoopla when we've talked about each of the individual arcs of the first season of andor uh, if you haven't checked those podcast episodes out yet go back and listen to them and in the meantime we'll be talking about the season overall our thoughts on it some of our favorite bits some of our theories about the future of andor and all that good stuff uh chris if any of these fine listeners were hoping to follow us on social media, where could they go? You're going to want to look for us at Holocron Hoopla on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also follow our main account, the Hoopla Podcast Network, at Hoopla Podcast, both on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear your hot takes about this first season of Andor. Give us what you think is going to happen in the future, what you liked, what you didn't like. We're ready to hear it. So find us on socials. If you need any other links, you can find our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Hoopla Podcast Network. Find us, engage with us. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Yeah. And all those links can be found in the episode description of this podcast, along with another link to our merch site. Andy, we got some new stuff here for the Holocron, don't we? We got some new Holocron Hoopla merch here on the merch site at Hoopla Podcast Network dot square dot site. We have a new uh, T-shirt that we just added there. We have the What the Hoopla mug as what well. What the Hoopla? And you can obviously find all of our different uh, genres here. So we have some Lord of the Rings merch on there as well, if that's something you're interested in. So check it out at Hoopla Podcast Network dot square dot site. Beautiful. And now, what we're all here for is to discuss this incredible season of Andor. 
I loved it. We all loved it. We've talked about all the specific plot points throughout the previous episodes of Holocron Hoopla. So let's just do a quick little roundtable and maybe talk about some of our favorite moments from the show. Let's start with the old bounty hunter here, Jakey. What was your... Do you have a single favorite moment from this first season? Um, are you referring to the eye? Ooh, it sounds <laughs> so like you're referring to the eye. Um, that heist was one of the coolest moments in Star Wars for me. Absolutely. I yeah. Cinematically, it was just so mesmerizing. All of the shimmering like greens and blues and pinks and as the shuttle was projecting out of the base to try and escape with all of the uh, workers' payloads. Um, but unbelievable. The casting was done so effectively in that arc specifically, for me, at least. I think across a spectrum for the entire show, it was Tony Gilroy and the other creators, you know, did a spectacular job of, of intertwining and and making these storylines cohesive, which is not something we've seen done all that well in Disney before, That's Disney true. Star Wars. Cohesive being the key word there. Yeah, exactly. Shout out, seven through nine. <laughs> yeah, co- um, but, you know, I was happy to see that they're able to figure out this recipe, and I think, you know, we've seen them expand upon Han Solo. Um, we've seen them expand upon Boba Fett. Taking... Cassie and Andor with Diego Luna was probably the best decision they could have done because this is a character that you can explore their backstory and mm-hmm. it doesn't have any it, it won't have any effect on the fan base and that's something that's that's been really dangerous for Lucasfilms in past um, I personally liked Solo but you know they went out on a limb here going with a little bit of a different direction choosing a character that's a little bit more approachable and they nailed it. And I'm I'm just thrilled. I absolutely loved Andor. Super fun. Well said. Well said, uh, Jake. And and I'm gonna just I'm gonna just pass the ball on over to Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just I'll just do you a little <laughs> little alley oop here. You so you, you take on over, my guy. I also liked Andor. Uh, what do I <laughs> what? say? What, what do I say after well, let's that? Let's go I into mean... let's say it, <laughs> well, let's I have talk something. about the eye a little bit more. Do you have anything more to say on the eye? Sure, certainly. And and I think one thing that I was thinking about earlier today, and I can tie in the eye very well, I was thinking about in review of this show, and it's, it's something Jamie mentioned about the lack of space wizards, about the lack of Jedi, about the lack <laughs> of lightsabers. And what I thought about is, this is a Star Wars show. But Jake, when you mentioned Solo, that was Solo, a Star Wars story. And it took place in the stars. There were magical beasts, there were wormholes, there were there was light speed. And yeah, we get a little bit of that with Andor, but mostly this didn't play place in the stars. These were on planets. These were people stories. Andor was a story that didn't necessarily take place in a Star Wars universe. You could rip this out and put it anywhere and it would still be a good character story. But the fact that that Star Wars backdrop and the Imperial technology and the rebellion, you know, all that, the details on top of it were great. But this was a character story and I think when you talk about the eye, that was really the the most fantastical thing. It, it was space mm. because truly it was space. It was a every three year event, and those things exist in the real world. But 
that was the closest we really got to Star Wars, except, of course, you know, we see the Death Star, and people are in space, Luthen's in space. Space is there. It's always going to be there in a universe this big. But these were grounded stories on planets, and it didn't necessarily need to be Star Wars. I think that's what made it shine. Can I just say that we need to go back and redo all of our intros for Holocron Hoopla? Because I don't have a title yet. And you just said Space Wizard, and I want to be introduced as Space <laughs> oh, Wizard. That, that's, a, that's, great. that's a great idea. We could do that. You could be Space Wizard. Yeah. Hey, Space Wizard. Hey, hey Chris, and kind of furthermore on your, your point there, sure. I think a lot of it is, so Tony Gilroy has come out and says, you know, he didn't grow up as the biggest Star Wars fan, but he is just a good writer, a good director that yeah. created a story that when you added in some of the Star Wars elements, it just, it felt right. Like the, the story, the Lucasfilm story group, they obviously put in the Easter eggs of the holocrons and Luthans, uh, you know, in his, his museum or whatever you want to call it, or, you know, the Death Star quick scene. But yeah, you're right. This wasn't like a hit the audience over the head with all these references over and over and over again. Instead, it's just a character driven story about, of rebellion starting to to form and this one character Cassian and his journey through that and that I did Jake love the Aldani sequences like the mm-hmm. you know slowly building building the, with these characters as they're getting ready to do something that's so dangerous and something that wouldn't be you know very achievable <laughs> like it isn't is it something that's <laughs> sure. very achievable uh, and then it just climaxes with this like spectacle of beautiful visuals that you would expect from cinematic like actual you know theatrical releases even right um, right so yeah so that, that's such a great great moment i was very impressed by that whole arc and the like you guys have been saying the characters are driving this whole show and specifically from those three episodes we met so many characters and got to know so many characters that then proceeded to just die in that third episode of the Aldani arc. Yeah. Well, the fourth, the fourth for you, because you didn't watch an episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's that's a back. testament to the writing as well. They wrote it so well that you can watch it out of order and it's still incredible. Um, but typically what we've seen before in Star Wars is if there's a character that's just kind of showing up and it's going to get killed off, they kind of just are there to move the plot around or move the plot forward. But we had with so many of these characters like, Nemec and Skeen and Terramin, they all had their purpose Mm -hmm. and they were built up as individuals as well as just plot devices. And we got to see all those different relationships that Cassian had with each of these new characters that he met in Aldani. And I just thought it was beautiful, beautiful writing. 100%. Mm -hmm. Jamie, you asked the question, did you have a favorite scene, favorite bit, favorite part? Mr. Space (laughs) Wizard? Mr. Space Wizard. Space Wizard, Jamie. Or Dr. Dr. Space Wizard. (laughs) Oh, that's even better, Dr. Space Wizard. (laughs) Is that your new Twitter handle? It should be. Because it should be. It can be. Yeah, it It is now. It certainly should be. Oh, my God. Yeah, follow Jamie at at Dr. Space Wizard. I guarantee um, you, Dr. Space that's Wizard definitely taken. is taken. That's taken. <laughs> it's, it's 100% taken. Maybe yeah. I, I yeah. might take it. Whoever has it, just I follow might. Dr. Space and Wizard. They probably got some taken. cool stuff to say on Twitter. Right. But, now <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna be completely honest and with you God. i uh my favorite part of season one was also the eye 
Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Let's go. Yeah. Not that that's Let's the only go. good part. There are a lot of fantastic parts, which we've talked about in previous episodes with all of the um, monologues and everything that we had. But maybe rather than saying my favorite plot point, I'll say my favorite character from sure. this season was Luthen. Yeah, uh, I sure. really loved Luthen. I mean, yeah. even just going to the actor Skarsgård was incredible. Fantastic acting the entire season. And then a very interesting character with his motivations for starting this rebellion and the way in which he cares very deeply about the people who he's enlisting into this rebellion. But he also understands that this rebellion is bigger than any individual. So he has this very caring attitude towards the people who he's going to send to their deaths, essentially. Sure, sure, and sure, sure. A very mm. interesting and conflicted character that I was glad that we got to meet in this season. One mm-hmm. thing, Jamie, I loved about Luthen specifically is you, you know, you start to hear about him as the kind of contact that that Bix has in Ferrix during the first few episodes. And then you learn a little bit more and you see then you go on his in his backstory, you see him on Coruscant and and kind of the front that he has built for himself as the leader of uh, the rebellion from the, you know, the purse strings behind the operation. But then even more so than you get to one of Jake's favorite parts of the season, he actually then goes and destroys those TIE fighters and the, the TIE bombers. And you, you just, you, he doesn't outright tell you, like there's not much exposition on this is the backstory for Luthen. You get little, little bits along the way that then at those big grand moments it's jaw dropping uh, and i'm so excited in season two to learn a little bit more and like maybe there will be maybe flashbacks of of his past like where does luthan come from we don't really know um and i think it it just is a testament to you know the, the writing team for him what if lucasfilm is just creating a chain link of stories. <laughs> they like they just create new characters in these shows just to create a new, new another new show or another new film, and they just never stop. I'm absolutely fine with that. It's just prequels all the like, way down. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like introducing Bix next summer. <laughs> Bix and Andor story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into some theories real quick, because I have a, a Luthen-specific question for you guys. Ah, I want to hear what your thoughts mm, are. Do okay. you think Luthen survives season two of Andor? Because mm, I assume no. season two will lead up directly to the start of Rogue One, and we don't know if Luthen's alive at that point. What do you guys think? Luthen dies season two. That's that's not even a theory. That's just fact. It's confirmed. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Just, just just play my confirmation music right now. You know, I now go ahead. This is this is my argument here, Chris. I'm sorry for no, cutting you fine. off there. If we get the end, if the end, the conclusion of this season is Cassian taking the reins and like embodying the full on role as as a rebel. The right thing for him to do in taking that from Luthen would be to fully walk in his shoes. And the only way for that to happen is if Luthen is out of the picture. Uh, yeah, I see that. I see that. I'll take it yes. a different way. Say that he does survive, but he has, he gets away from it all. My prediction is that he helps the rebellion as much as he can from behind the shadows, but he, he meets an insurmountable challenge. 
he finally hits that thing where he knows that if he does sacrifice anything else, it'll mean his life. So he has to step away. That's my prediction. I bet he, I bet he sails off into the sunset, not happy with what he's done, but satisfied with what he's accomplished. And then mm. a theory on your theory, he gets a Thanos-style epilogue, and we see him get to witness the sunrise he never oh. expected oh. to see. Oh, oh that's yes. actually great. That's beautiful. Oh, I'm gonna, that's, I'm gonna like go further off that. That's gonna be like a Sadok sunrise where he dies. Sorry, Chris, he's still dead. Season two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, everything I, Chris said comes true, but then he also dies. He, then he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, I definitely don't think he's gonna survive through the end of season two because he's gonna give it all for the rebellion, but he's gonna do it in a way. Right now, he's kind of he's still in that moral gray area right where he he just let anton krieger and and those 35 men go to their deaths he's gonna turn the leaf sacrifice himself for the rebellion to do Uh... to do this in a better way and like at the very end like maybe mon mothma or maybe cassian as he reads through nemec's manifesto he changes his mind on like how we should be going about this and then that leads into immediately into Rogue One. Got it. I like four, that. I'll co-sign four different that theory. theories. Yeah, four. We got four, uh, kind of similar. Some of them, you know, and of course the sure. the binary: does he live? Does he die? But we've got some interesting ideas for Luthen. What about yeah. uh, Cassie and Andor? Do we think <laughs> he makes it out of season dead. two? <laughs> uh, it, it could go I'm either sorry. way. That <laughs> would be shocking, Tony Gilroy writers. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, Cassian from Rogue One is just Luthen with a mask on the whole time. Whoa! Oh, oh my gosh. That for a bad what is theory. this? What he's is a, this? He's the shape impossible. changer. He's cloned clone. by the same person that cloned Snoke. Oh, wow. God. <laughs> Kino oh. Loy is Snoke. Loke, Snoke is Kino Loy. Yeah, the, yeah, it's Kino Loy that did it the whole time. He's just, he's gauging yeah. Cassian this whole time. So now he's going to yeah. clone Cassian. Thousands of times. Good. Ray and Cassian Andor. Ray and Cassian Andor, episode 10. I know it's going to happen. So, uh, does oh. anyone else have a favorite character they'd like to talk about? Let's hear yours, Chris. I don't want to talk about a favorite character. I want to Let's broaden about the scope favorite... a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh, well, let me tell you but... my favorite character. Oh, please do. Chris please do. Look. Okay. My favorite character is Mon Mothma. And everything that Mon Mothma... Like means for the rebellion and her storylines as you know a minor character in the original trilogy, then explored a little bit more you know in deleted scenes and uh, in episode three, then much more explored in like Rebels and some of the animated properties and our our books. The political figure that's always been like the the good part, like kind of that good part of the rebellion we were just talking about, and then seeing that this is just. You know, this is a regular person that has a a sad like family life that is just getting stopped in every way by, you know, the cruelty of the empire. But she's still trying to do the good thing. Um, But then is the one that's actually funding the rebellion and funding Luthen this whole time. Just all it she's the the political the political parts of this storyline was so effective uh, and impactful. Mod Mothma is a great character. Um, and something we really haven't seen fully in Star Wars before. 
I also enjoy how we see Mon Mothma's sacrifice yeah. throughout this show. Like it, it gradually escalates with you know tension rising in in Congress. I'm going to call it Congress or in the Senate. Senate. <laughs> Senate. No, 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 no. It's definitely the House of That's Representatives. Happened. It's for sure the House of Representatives. <laughs> but you can see as she's like trying to speak from a more uh, I guess liberal perspective for you know wanting to help others and people are turning off their lights, not wanting to like listen to her input, um, yeah. and they're just sort of ostracizing her as as she's doing this, and then that further escalates. Now she's in a four hundred thousand credit hole, and now she's having to sacrifice her own family to try and you know yeah. help the rebellion. It's just. It's just a constant stack of her having to overcome these these barriers, and um, that's another element I appreciate beyond just the political aspect that you're that you're talking about there, Andy. And it's it's also very like almost relatable for the audience. Like in some ways, yeah, the, she's like an extremely rich politician, but sure. the family side of it makes her so relatable. And like Chris, you've mentioned in one of the the episodes, it's like. Oh, she has the teenage girl and maybe yep. her relationship with her husband isn't that great. Uh, and her job's not going the way that she really wants. And like, even though she is kind of like an elite, you can connect with her. Right. Her dreams went out the door when she turned 15. Was that Ooh, the it was range? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oof, Weird wolf. thing. Weird that thing. song but it is. is much sadder yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. been with one man. What happened to her? Her cousin's plan? also an extremist, too. Uh, yeah. You know? True. Yeah. yeah. You got the crazy family yeah. member that way. That's awesome. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Vel's talking politics at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chandrill in Thanksgiving. Too much blue milk yeah. is flowing. And, you know, Phil starts spouting off something. Oh, my God. We didn't see any blue milk in the final arc. Unbelievable. I'm so sorry, Jake. Were you not drinking blue milk while you watched? I was drinking blue milk while I watched. Oh, oh, I guess I. if you count that as seeing it during the last arc, then yes, there was. <laughs> so we have Mon Mothma and Luthen are like the two big players in building up this rebellion. And as we were just mentioning a minute ago, Luthen has gotten to the point where he's willing to sacrifice anything everything as he says and mon mothma is throughout season one she's just getting closer and closer to that point where she's maybe we haven't confirmed it yet but she's maybe going to sacrifice her daughter in order to keep this rebellion going which is i can't even imagine how difficult of a decision that's going to be but it's interesting to see over the course of the first season mon mothma get to that point of being as dedicated to this as luthan was from the start yeah so right. what do we think is going to happen in season two with mon mothma and her daughter to continue the storyline that they've established i think they have to marry i, I think mm -hmm. that just has to happen there needs to be some degree of personal weight that gets dragged on uh to the mothma family um and the one thing I do really like about, you know, seeing her daughter in portrayed in this show is, yeah, she's the rebellious teenager that you guys were hitting on or talking about. Um, but we also see her in her Bible study group. She's yeah. a good, <laughs> she's a good person. Like she's, a, she's doing all the right things. It's just, she's, she's trying to live life and sort of figure it all out as we all did at one point or another. Um, and so 
you know, this is going to be interesting how, you know, things now get tied in with Devo, and how is this going to relate to the crime syndicate of, um, uh, not, what's her planet? Chandrilla. Chandrilla, I was going to say Ghirardelli, I don't know. <laughs> that'd be pretty, from the old chocolate that'd be planet. Dope. No, that's in the next <laughs> yeah, quadrant the, over. <laughs> yeah, from, from unknown the old regions. chocolate factory. That's the unknown yeah. regions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see these stakes. I know Andy likes that word, stakes, like going forward. I like yeah. the food, and I like the impactful stakes of a show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Medium rare, always. Jake, you bring up an interesting point with the fact that Mon's daughter was kind of rebelling, and in her rebellion, she was, you know, becoming more religious and more traditional with her Chandrillan values. So that makes me think, will her daughter see getting married off as the same sacrifice that Mon sees it as? Or will her daughter see the process of her getting married off as, like, her duty? Or, you know, mm-hmm. just something that will happen because that's what their traditional values say. Mm-hmm. I have no Agreed. idea. That's just a thought I just had. I mean, that's a great thought. And I, I imagine she'll, her daughter will probably perceive it as her, like a as positive, her, duty, as her like born duty. right. Right. Yeah, exactly. As her born right. But Mon and, you know, her husband obviously know that that is not the case in this scenario. Uh, but hopefully, the, hopefully the gambling card works out, though. Oh, you know yeah, they no. they tried spinning they tried spinning that wheel, and hopefully, you know that plays. Rebellions so are built on hope, so <laughs> <laughs> they're gambling on that. Bed so bed. we're gonna the Lucasfilm has already said in season two there is going to be twelve episodes, but there's going to be multiple time jumps during that time. Oh. So this started five. What years is before. this Game so this, of Thrones? <laughs> Little House of the Dragon. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. this started five years before Rogue One, but there's going to be multiple time jumps that lead us directly into Rogue One. So that kind of makes me think if that's the case, maybe we see, may- maybe she does get married off and then we see her a few years later. Uh, maybe oh. on Chandrilla and maybe in a you know different way. Uh, maybe she's, you know, with Davos family. Maybe she is totally you know, left Mon, and that's maybe something that pushes Mon to then keep going more and more sure. in the rebellion. You know, I'll like give that. you theory music for that, Andy. I, yeah, I really did fair. enjoy that. Enjoy that was that. nice. Okay. Yeah. That would be very cool. But Chris, you don't have a specific character that you want to talk about, but you have something more meaningful, more extensive, more incredible. What was your favorite part of this first season? My favorite character was B2 Emo, but there's nothing oh! that needs to be said about that. Uh, Beyond that, like that, I wanted to ask, what, what is everyone's favorite storyline? We've got a couple mm. different storylines, not necessarily the arcs, because we explored different storylines across all the arcs. So what was your favorite storyline from Andrew? What is yours, Chris, while we think about it? If you'd like me to go first and steal one away, I will. Don't steal mine, Chris, but say it, and then I'll let you know if you stole it. Okay. I really... I, enjoyed the isb storyline i think the Mm, imperial security just the way that it was portrayed as this absolute ruling thumb we we see in in old star wars properties not old star wars properties all other star wars imperial era star wars properties where the heroes are always getting the jump on the empire they're always 
completing the heist. They're always getting the clearance codes. They're just getting by. And there's plenty of that in Andor. But at the same time, we've never seen a show express the brutality of the Empire Mm -hmm. in this specific of a way. And I think we see that with Andor, where truly they're hanging people in the courtyards of a major city. I mean, that's not something we've seen to this extent in a Star Wars property before. People die in, in Star Wars properties, sure, but it's usually a hero sacrificing themselves or doing the right thing. It's never a brutal hanging or brutal execution like we've seen. So Andor takes that step, and the ISB is the core of that. It's this, it's this unending evil that is explorable to an extent where these are humans, and they are human stories, just like Andor is full of. But at the same time, you can treat the Empire as one final being that is just more explored with the torture scenes, all the security, everything that happens over the course of the season than we've ever seen the Empire explored. And I praise everything about Andor for that. So that was my favorite storyline, was watching the ISB grow, the Empire, and everything like that. Uh, from, from this first couple of episodes where the Empire truly failed, like the way we're used to, when the raiding mission went wrong, <laughs> all the way until everything is kicked into high gear, where they doubled the sentence of the prisoners, everything like that. So uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was this looming thing throughout the whole season, and it was my favorite storyline. It was a fantastic storyline. And as soon as Dedra got yeah. involved, ISB stopped failing as often, for sure. Right. I thought it was so cool to see the, the different bureaucracy of the ISB as well. It wasn't just their kind of, you know, their, just their rolling thumb like on the people. It was also to see how they went about, like the inner machinations of how that would operate. And yeah. mainly in that main mm-hmm. hall, that one room where all of the Imperial officers are, are sitting around the table discussing and then throwing each other under the bus and you know major partagas is was such an interesting leader to to, that they were always going to right um i really enjoyed like in the very opening i think of the isb he starts talking to deidre and he talks about how they're uh they're healthcare workers and they're rooting out sickness yeah it's just that was so awesome cool opening and like throughout the full season it amounted into a really terrifying organization that made sense that eventually they rolled right up to the emperor. They are more so than the Imperial Navy and the army and stuff, because they're the ones that are keeping the empire together. Bricks and screws. Mm -hmm. How dare you put bricks and screws into a Star Wars? (laughs) Unacceptable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you guys were touching on it. Chris, one thing you mentioned is you were talking about the previous, you know, factions of the imp- the Empire um, <clears throat> in regards to, like, officer meetings and what we've seen in past. Um, you're, I mean, you're totally right how they expanded it and explored this whole realm that yeah. we, we really only have gotten a sample of previously. Torture. And, um, we witnessed torture yeah, in a Star Wars torture. project. Right. And not right. just a probe right. droid. Shout out to Bix. <laughs> Shout out to Bix. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Bix. She was incredible this season. She was. She was. Literally everyone was incredible. I, I can't even... <laughs> I, even even the, the hound pig that was owned by Pegla <laughs> was yeah. incredible love this those, season. Love those pigs. Yeah. <laughs> when they yeah. went to the bathroom on barking, B2 Emo early they on... squealing? That, that pig's name is yeah. Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Rip. Porkins. 
Poor Porkins. Uh, I'll, I'll play eulogy music for Porkins, but um, <laughs> if you haven't seen that, yeah, I mean that's that's a spoiler. He died whatever. thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Six years in the future. But, <laughs> well, okay. But this is this is exciting to sort of see the empire in this in this sort of perspective and seeing the inner workings, kind of like what the machinations, like Andy was talking about, is. Just exciting. I honestly, that's the only way I can really put it. It because you can feel the intensity within that room, and that's exactly what you would imagine the Empire to be. Sure, just overbearing. Um, and it's sort of a dog eat, dog eat dog world in order to make them achieve their outcomes. It was interesting, you know, if you relate it back to you know our actual own real world, like how we would envision maybe the KGB or like those types of organizations would operate mm. and then see, cause that's what you always relate the empire over to is some of the more authoritarian, like parts of, you know, the past hundred years of our history. And it's kind of like, that's definitely how they would operate if they're trying to keep, you know, something that's so fragmented together. One of the biggest things that turned me into making this decision and asking you this question about what your favorite storylines is, I watched a video today, uh, YouTube account The Canvas, who does a, a couple of video essays on a bunch of different properties, but did one on the evil in Andor, the banality of evil, banality being the unoriginality, the, the basicness, the, the unastounding process that evil takes on. And in Andor, that's the best way to explore it because... Again, it's back to Jamie's point where there is no Sith. There is no magic evil. This is bureaucratic evil. It's a base evil that is mm. the ability to control people. And so the morality is part of the rebellion side, but on the other side, there's no morality question. The, the Empire, the ISB are here to eradicate sickness. So if you want to have that point enforced for you, check out the canvas on YouTube. Really loved that video today, but that's what pushed me over the edge to say that the ISB storyline was by far my favorite. Yeah, it was a great storyline. And to kind of add to Chris's question, which I'll pose to Andy and Jake here, in addition to your favorite storyline from this season, is there anything that you guys want to see further explored in season two? Are there any of these storylines that you want more details on, more background on, or to see where they go in the future? If I was going to pick out like one thing that I'm really interested in going forward, knowing that we're five years before Rogue One, is Luthen's story along with Saw and along with the other rebel cells and how, how things get to the point where Saw is out of the rebellion. Like he went too far, he is a radical, and Mon does not approve of his methods. Is that going to be a storyline that we, you know, is there going to be an arc where maybe he does go too far? And he kills others indiscriminately or it does something that, you know, Mon just doesn't approve of and kicks him out. Like, I think that would be an interesting thing and how that then relates to Luthen's storyline with Mon as well. That's exactly what I was going to say. I want more Saw Gerrera <laughs> in season two. Yes. Forrest mm. Whitaker. I love him. Yeah. If the money's right, he'll show up. He'll put all that equipment on for the money. <laughs> I want to meet Forrest Whitaker at a Star Wars convention. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. I would like to see an action sequence with Saw Gerrera, Forrest Whitaker. That would actually be pretty mm. sweet because we've only seen him. We've only seen him really speak politically and about the, the sort of anarchist take that he has, the, the sure. radicalization that mm -hmm. that he commits. Um, but he's never actually done it on screen. We've seen it in Clone Wars. We say in Clone Wars. Uh, but we have not seen it live action, and 
I think that would be pretty dope if we got a shot of him, like, maybe in an X-Wing blowing shit up or whatever it is. <laughs> I, would, I would like to see live-action, action, action <laughs> Saw Gerrera. Yeah, that would be awesome. I could see him just, like, turn on a thermal detonator and just toss it and blow up 15 Yeah, even if it's you know? that. It, yeah, it, it, like, you don't need to get a whole choreography And civilians, probably. <laughs> right, yeah. No, he'd be crazy. I wonder if he makes it out of season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are we going to see Bogolet? Are we going to see Bogolet in season two? Oh, no. that would be cool. Now, remind me who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm, I will make the noise, it's, it's but I have the, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the mind, Bo- mind controlling Bogolet. That's all oh, I can say about it. That, so, that gets the, the pilot in Rogue One, and the the pilot is you know, yeah, mind controlled, and it messes up. What road is it? Rody is the name Roadie. of the the pilot. That's War Machine. Oh yeah, that's War Machine. <laughs> that's that's yeah. our friends over at Hero Hoopla. Check, Check us out, out. Hero <laughs> Hoopla. Um, yeah. So what what are you looking forward to in season two, Chris? Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone's favorite storylines were. I wanted to bring up my quick favorite storyline, and it's specifically the prison. The yeah. prison storyline mm. that then leads into Kino's speech uh, and then his eventual not being able to swim just was wonderful uh, uh, and heartbreaking. It was very it was heartbreaking. Like, it was very climactic towards the end when. They're all climbing up the staircase and he's talking to him. And it was such an inspirational speech. Um, then to just end with, you know, his demise. Andy Serkis was incredible and I think should get a best uh, supporting actor type nod. I'll vote for him. I'll vote for him for sure. I, I love yeah. that whole Kino Loy character and that whole story arc. And we got to see specifically from Kino Loy how he pretty much had the same goal the entire time he was there for his three episodes of he just wanted what's best for the prisoners who were in his company. And at the beginning, what's best for them was for him to just force them to do their work, to stay on task, to follow in line with everybody. But then that switch flipped when Olaf died and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden Kino understood that they needed to get the hoopla out of there. And he knew that <laughs> he wasn't going to make Did you just censure yourself? Hoopla. I just censored myself. Yeah. Yeah. Make the editing you saved, easier. <laughs> you saved our editor what a couple hoopla? minutes, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, you're far too kind. Uh, yeah, I liked immediately after Olaf died, um, Andor asks Kino, so how many guards are there on the floor? And he goes, 12. Yeah. Oh, no, what a great way to 12. end Fade that to black. episode, too. Fade to oh, black. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No more than 12. That was great. Yeah. That was awesome. And honestly, yep. just at, at a high level, not even talking about specific moments within that storyline, the prison itself was so unique, oh, like yeah, sure. just aesthetically and how, you know, it was, uh, you know, run with the, the electricity and the flooring and like just and then how it actually then builds up to be the like creation of the Death Star is all this human labor, which is once again just a terrible thing by the Empire. I want to shout out to Diego Luna and the other supporting characters when they first got to Narkina 5. Also, 
the number seven, by the way. I don't know if we've talked about that, but kind of a relevant number. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to shout out to them for acting electrocuted. I imagine the takes in recording that were probably hilarious. They probably have some some super funny bloopers trying to act electrocuted. But Joke's on um, you. They actually shocked them so that (laughs) there are no funny bloopers. It's all just sad and painful. Oh my god. I hope they got bonuses. (laughs) Um, but yeah i to the point of every down to the nitty-gritty detail they they wanted to show that this was an oppressive um labor-intense camp to build something that is ominous terrifying the death star you know Mm -hmm. um and and to see to see them break from this prison and you know kino Again, adapting throughout this, but maintaining his goal of wanting to support the those around him and see them get free of their their sentences is it was just fun. It was just enjoyable to watch. That was probably my favorite three episode arc of this season mm. was the Narkina Five arc. But as we do start to bring this episode to a close here, let's jump over to Chris because I want to hear what you're looking forward to most in season two, and then if you'll be so kind as to give us a season one rating. Oh, I can do that for you, Jamie. And I'll start with what I'm most looking forward to. Look, we've got a big exploration into the character that is Andor. And we needed to because it had not been explored very well. That's great. And now we're going to get more Andor, which is excellent as well. But we talked about it in the finale episode. What I'm most looking forward to is the progression of the Ferex character. I'm using air quotes, you can't see that in an audio podcast, of course, but the Ferex character, we talked about how Bix, how Tim, God rest his soul, how any of the Brasa, any of the Ferex characters, Marva, even post-mortem, are part of this universal fight against the Empire. I'm excited to see some of those characters return. I hope all of the actors return. That would be Mm -hmm. excellent to see, especially in an Andor story, but... uh, I'm most excited for the growth of the characters that we were introduced to this season because we know Andor is going to reach his potential purpose. Uh, We know Luthen and Mon Mothma. Luthen is a new character, sure, but we know those people are going to reach their purposes. They're already driven characters. I want to see the grassroots effort of the Ferex character rise up and see what they can do against the Rebellion. That's what I'm looking forward to. I think that's what Marva's looking forward to most of all when she put those last will and testaments into that 8K projection, like Jake said. <laughs> um, I will wrap this up by saying Andor Season 1 was uh, close to Masterpiece as far as wow. TV goes. Uh, and then when you put it in a Star Wars universe, that's just a plus for me. Uh, I think I rated a couple of the arcs at a 60 and a 61, and that's right where I'm going to find it. Uh, 61 out of a 66 for the entire show. I think it's not out of the question to say that it is the best Disney Star Wars project and perhaps maybe one of Disney's best TV shows, regardless of the universe. Uh, I think everything they've done was perfect, and uh, there's only a little bit of room for improvement, so we'll see what happens in season two. I love it. Hoopla. Um, What about you, Andy? How would you rate season one of Andor? I mean, I, I loved season one here i think along with mandalorian season season one they're pretty close for me 
just because I love, you know, how, you know, how Mando was created and Grogu and, you know, all the all of that storyline. I thought that was really well done with Dave Filoni and team. Sure. But I do think this is probably it edges it because it was just such, like you said, Chris, it was just such a good almost HBO style show from a dramatic sure. perspective that then just Definitely. was in a Star Wars universe that once again, like you said, is gives a plus to anything. Um, I, Andrew, what I'm, hi, it's me. I'm cutting into your episode, or I'm cutting into your season review rating here real quick, just to say, <laughs> is it better than Clone Wars Season 7? Ooh. Ooh. Hot take. I like it more than Clone Wars Season 7. Wow, okay. Clone Wars oh. saved. I love Clone Wars. Wow. Because Clone Wars 7 was a Disney project. Yeah, yeah. It was just a couple years later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I would have to agree with you. As great as that season was, I mean the Ahsoka Darth Maul yeah. stuff though. Like, oh, I, I don't know. Spoilers. Ah, spoilers. We have to cut uh, that. But yeah, I I like I said, I I rate it highly right up there with back into even like original trilogy type storylines. It's just Absolutely. so well done, and I'm excited to see how they go from here and how it bridges into like I said earlier into Rogue One. Like there could, there's going to be some cool, like there's a lot of cool things to explore in that time period. Five years before Rogue One, there's, there could be some cool heist, I say. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a 61 out of 66, 66 Brother. hoopla's as well. Hoopla. Ooh. Hoopla. Hoopla. And that brings us to Jakey. What do you think? I really enjoyed Andor. I think it was a super exciting season to watch. And sort of unfold. Um, I thought it was a, just a different format for TV um, mm. in terms of, you know, creating all these continuous storylines and then immediately jumping to a new one and then creating yeah. this continuous storyline and then immediately jumping to a new one and then sure. tying them all together and they in, built in together the final too, yeah. act. Right. Um, which, which felt almost uh, like cinematic in a way. Like we have our, our two movies traditionally. And then we have the third and final film where everything comes together. And that's sort of the format that they created here. So I, I did enjoy that aspect of, of seeing all the, the pieces tie together. In terms of all the characters, they were super exciting to watch. I think this has a lot of room to grow. Last episode, I mentioned that I had a theory that the daughters of Ferrix would serve as the ambassadors for the rebellion uh, yeah. going forward. Um, so I I feel like now Ferrix could be almost like the hub of the rebellion and things will begin to branch out from there. I wouldn't oh. be surprised if we get if we get liaisons that are all the daughters of Ferrix that were left to believe that they've le- likely worked closely with Marva. Why wouldn't they spread across the galaxy to try and start, you know, little fires for the empire that could emblaze and uh just become you know, out of control and total entropy and chaos. So that would be exciting to see. I would, I would like to make that happen. Um, I'm glad I delivered on my promise there in terms of bringing that, that theory back. Um, but if I have to give it a score, um, for me, it's going to be a 57 out of 66. Um, that's, that's an 80. Hoopla. That's a 87, 88 rating. Um, B plus. And for yeah, B plus, a solid B plus. And the only reason why I'm giving it a B plus is because this property is going to get better. Um, I I don't see them losing steam with this. Um, I think I think you know everyone is firing on all cylinders for this, and this show is going to continue to be explosive. 
Uh, I see you're taking over the Chris role this season, given the lowest grades, but hey, that's fine. <laughs> you're you welcome. Know, someone's got to give the lowest grades. And that's why I can dump, jump in here and give the highest grades, as I always do, because I'm the nicest host of the Hoopla podcast. <laughs> I think for some of these arcs individually, I've given like 60, 61 maybe for one of the arcs. Don't entirely remember, but for the overall season, I'm giving it a 62 out of 66. Ooh, hoopla! I think the hoopla. story, which hoopla, hoopla, hoopla. Jake explained hoopla. very beautifully just a minute ago, the story itself is bigger than the sum of its parts. And each part was super interesting yeah. and fantastically written. But the fact that they brought it all together made the whole season better. And I just loved every time I sat down to watch an episode, I was excited. And what's better than that? If you're watching a TV show, if you're excited to watch it, they did a great job making it. So I'm going to give it a 62 out of 66. Very excited for season two. See how everything goes with Cassie and Andor. And Luthen specifically, I'm looking to see how that relationship builds and if Cassian decides to kill him. Oh, Cass assassination. Ooh, You're bringing yeah. that back. Yeah. Okay. The Cass assassination back, theory is still alive. Shaby, let's, yeah. let's be honest. The reason you gave it a 62 is because there was two holocrons in the show. <laughs> Uh, Two holocrons. Hoopla. Hoopla. Oh my. Hoopla. <laughs> so now, as we bring this episode to a close, Chris, do we have a meme of the week this week? This is getting out of hand. <laughs> now there are two of them. <laughs> this meme of the week comes from the prequel episodes, Phantom Menace. Uh, this is once we first reveal, it's part of the Trade Federation, once it's first revealed that Darth Maul is the apprentice Sith in the Emperor's Master Plan. And it relates to the fact that we have a season two of Andor coming soon. So all this to be said, make sure to tune in once we have season two of Holocron Hoopla for Andor specifically. It's going to be a little while, but uh, in the meantime, check out our other properties, Hero Hoopla, Hobbit Hoopla, and follow everything on the Hoopla Podcast Network. Absolutely. We've got a little bit of time until Andor season two comes out. We've got a little bit of time until Rings of Power Season 2 comes out. But in the meantime, we got all sorts of fantastic stuff coming up pretty soon. We got Mandalorian. We got other things. Yeah. Oh, we got Bad Avatar Batch. 2 coming out. Avatar, Avatar 2. Avatar 2 the, coming out the way, next week, I believe. The so way of Namor. Tune in for that. <laughs> Avatar Eventually, 2, like Shazam and like seven yeah. Marvel properties. Yeah. Quantumania oh in February. Goodness. Yeah, so we have a whole bunch of stuff that we'll be hooplaing about all over the place. So like Chris said, the follow last us, of us on all those social medias to stay up to date last with what us. we're talking about. Trailer and yesterday. Hey, we got Super Mario Bros. trailer. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. trailer. Oh, we, we will definitely be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Misa. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry, I, I had to throw Jar Jar in there. So if you want some weird sound effects, tune into the Hoopla podcast because we got all the weird sound effects. Thank you all for listening to this review episode of Endor Season 1. Tune in next week for whatever we're talking about. Who knows? But now, for the moment of the highest of highest hooplas, the Season 1 quote. Well, as it, we're going to be leaving Andor for maybe a year or two here, as Kino said, as Nemec said, and as Cassie and Andor said, start climbing. <laughs>